Good morning. Thank you for joining us. If you would stand, we'll continue with our song service. Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 3 says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. Brother Richard, would you open us in a word of prayer, please? Joyce is singing hymn number 429, Heart the Herald Angels Sing.
let's stand once again. We'll sing hymn number 426, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day.
would stand once again. We'll sing hymn number 424, O Come, All Ye Faithful. Yeah. 
got to do a moment of uh, maintenance here or I'll drop out in the middle of my sermon so we keep back up. Someone was so kind to put some worthers in there. I've had problems with coughing and it's kind of amazing. They, I like them better than cough drops. They're, they're really good. We're good. All right, if you would, take your Bibles and join me in Genesis, going to the book of Genesis. I want to say that uh, last week we collected funds for our Christmas missions offering, and uh, we still have that open if you would like to uh, give to that. We have uh, several missionaries out of our church uh, that we're going to try to be a blessing to this year at Christmas. And uh, the ones on the foreign fields, of course, they can't uh, just leave the field, come home, get a part-time job, make a little extra money so they can enjoy Christmas. So we want to be a blessing uh, to them. And then others that um, are scattered, even in the United States, uh, would find it difficult uh, to make uh, extra for this holiday season. So we want to be a blessing to them. Uh, if you've been unable to give and you'd like to give, we'd be glad to receive that. And uh, probably in a week or so, we'll be uh, dispersing that. And so if you can help in that way, that'd be a great blessing. Last week, I started a series on what I entitled Christmas and Prophecy. Okay, so uh, that was our first week, Christmas and Prophecy. Uh, we looked at Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14, uh, the virgin birth and how that was fulfilled then in the New Testament. Uh, today, we're going to look at the seed. Okay, the seed. And I want to invite your attention there to Genesis chapter 3, 
And uh, if you found that and you can, stand with me in reverence to the reading of the Word of God. I'll read and you can follow along. I'm going to begin reading verse number 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than all the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also under her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they said, and then they, I'm sorry, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who hath told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to me to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is it that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow, and thy conception in sorrow. Thou shalt bring forth children, <coughs> and thy desire, excuse me, <coughs> and thy desire, <clears throat> and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. <coughs> Lord, we love you. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for our time together today. It's our prayer and our desire that we might meet with you, that you would meet with us, that you might be honored and glorified through the preaching of your word and through the work the Holy Spirit does in our lives. We thank you for your goodness and your love. <coughs> we ask these things your blessed name. Amen. <coughs> Thank you very much. I know you didn't pay good money to come in here and watch a guy cough. I'll get through this in just a minute. So I did want to make one comment rather quickly. Verse number 16, 
And um, <clears throat> I actually remember a wedding I did about three years ago. And when I gave the vows, uh, in the vows that I use many times, the wife says that she'll submit herself to her husband and he'll be the leader of the home and so forth. And someone said <clears throat> afterwards in my presence, uh, maybe not knowing I was close to here, I can't believe that they would still use such archaic language. But that's uh, kind of the promise of the curse that was taken on at the moment that the fruit was eaten. So um, that's neither here nor there. I just wanted to point it out. <laughs> Isn't it amazing as we sing hymns, and I'm so thankful that we're a church that still sings hymns, isn't it amazing as we sing these hymns how full they are of doctrine? Such as, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Of course, the verse that stood out to me <clears throat> was uh, the fourth verse of the second line. It says, Rise the woman's conquering seed, bruise in us the serpent's head. Uh, I just find there, uh, it's amazing how we have a whole hymn book and much of it filled with doctrine. And as we sing it, I'm afraid that we many times sing words and we don't stop to really contemplate what is it that we're singing? What, you know, how does that fit to the Bible? And uh, so I, I just point that out also. Now we'll get to the message. So <clears throat> today's thought is going to be on this, the seed. In... Um, Genesis 3.15, we read, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. We find this fulfilled in Galatians 4.4, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 7 and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In Genesis, we find judgment that is to come as a result of Eve taking and eating the forbidden fruit and then giving it to her husband and he also eating of the forbidden fruit. And that judgment actually begins in verse number 14 for Satan. And there we read, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. And upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I'll put enmity between thee and thy woman, between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his hill. And so the serpent is commanded to crawl on his belly the rest of his life. And dust shalt thou eat all the days of of his life. And in the second part of the judgment that's being placed, he said, I will put enmity. Webster defines enmity as the quality of being an enemy, the opposite of friendship. You might just say hatred. And so he said, I'm going to place hatred there between uh, the woman and the, and the, the serpent. And there's going to be this hatred between the and the woman, and the woman's going to hate uh, the uh, serpent, is going to hate Satan, there's going to be this hatred, a state of opposition, and yet we find, if we're not careful, that there are those who have chosen 
rather the friendship with the world than opposition to Satan himself. And so we have to be careful as we walk that line. John goes on to talk of those who would rather choose the world to walk with and to follow after Satan in John chapter 8 and verse 44. He says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father will ye do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there's no truth in him. And uh, went on to say, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And so we have a garden, we have a perfect environment, we have man and woman, Adam and Eve, and we have the serpent come along. The serpent begins to, uh, he's, he is, of course, Satan, and he begins to plant seeds of doubt. Hath not God said, and does God really mean he begins to plant these doubts in the mind of Eve. And as Eve is listening to uh, this, she begins to come to the point that she yields and she takes of that forbidden fruit. And then she comes to Adam and Adam chooses to take of that fruit also. And there's this great gulf that is fixed at that moment between God and man. At that moment, their eyes are open. At that moment, they recognize things have changed. Things are different. I don't think that God had to go to the garden to know that things were different. I think at the moment it happened, he knew it was different. He already knew what had happened. And as he comes to the cool of the garden to walk among his creation, to be with his children, to visit with them, to enjoy the company that he's enjoyed for who knows how many days, weeks, years, maybe more than a few, he comes to that garden, and as he comes there, Adam and Eve's no place to be found. Oh, he knew where they were. Isn't it amazing that we think we can hide from God? And yet God knows exactly where we're at. Every time that I've tried to run from him, he's, he's found me. No matter where I hide, he's, he's found me. He knows how to get our attention. And so they're hiding. They've sowed for themselves fig leaves. And when they are finally confronted with God, and when they finally own up, and when they finally see him, he asked him, so why is it that, that you're hiding from me? Who told you that you were naked? And of course, their own sin is revealed in the presence of the Father because of the way that they are acting and reacting to the sin in their life. And so the promise that is given in verse number 15 to Satan is, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. God is referring to the act of Jesus Christ being born. He's going to bruise the head of Satan, and then throughout his life here upon this earth, he'll bruise the head of Satan. Satan thinks he gets the victory at the crucifixion, but he comes forth victorious over death, hell, and the grave, and he bruises his head with an indelible mark that I am the victor. He says, thou shalt bruise his heel, and so Satan will... He took at the point of crucifixion. He thought he had won the victory. He thought that he had uh, succeeded at what he had carried out to do, but he forgot the scripture. He forgot the prophecy. The prophecy was that he, Jesus, was going to bruise his head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So it looked like he got a moment of victory, but the victory belongs to God. The New Testament fulfillment is quite interesting. There we read, 
But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, Galatians 4.4, made of a woman, made under the law. In Galatians, we find God sent forth his son. It's interesting, not Joseph's son. We covered that last week. Not Joseph's son, but his own son, made of a woman. Again, revealing the fact that Jesus was virgin born, not born of a of a man and a woman coming together in a sexual way to create a child, but that she was used as a vessel. The Holy Ghost came upon her, and that that was received in her was from the Holy Ghost, and Jesus was born. She was a vessel, and he was the child of God, the son of God. Interesting uh, that um, that's not the only seed we find in the Bible. I want to stretch your thinking a little bit today. When we think about prophecy and we think about seed, we recognize the seed of the woman, of course, Jesus Christ, and we recognize the fulfillment of Scripture that he's going to come and bruise the head of Satan. By the way, the final bruising, if you would, takes place at the great white throne judgment when Satan and all his imps are cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity, the ultimate bruising takes place at that time. And Satan will be bound for eternity in the lake of fire. Forever and ever, that's going to be his dwelling place. And all those who have never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will spend the same eternity with him in the lake of fire, eternal torment forever. But I want us to think about a couple other seeds that we find in the Bible. The first one in prophecy is the seed of Abraham. In Genesis chapter 18 and verse number 18, we read, read, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. This blessing, this blessing that is going to come out of Abraham's seed, of course, is going to be Jesus Christ. Abraham's got a lineage here. He's become a servant of God. He's a people that's been chosen of God. He's yielded himself to God. And so God has said, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through the birth of my son through uh, Abraham. In Acts chapter 3 and verse number 25, we read, ye are the children of the prophets, and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Matthew 1, 1 says, The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Luke 3 and verse 34 says, Which was the son of Jacob, which was the son of Isaac, which was the son of Abraham, which was the son of Terah, which is the son of Nacor. In Genesis 18:18, 18, 18, we find the promise given to Abraham. I'm going to bless the earth. And um, we see the fulfillment comes unto all the nations through the fact that Jesus Christ is going to be born, uh, born of his lineage. At a simple reading, one might say, well, this is talking about how God is going to bless Abraham with more children, and um, that that's going to end up being a blessing, and uh, that's what God has intended. But we need to understand that as we look into Scripture, it's much more than just a, 
a progeny that he's going to have all these children and they're going to be wealthy and they're going to be a blessing. But the real promise is the fact that Jesus Christ is going to be born of that line. A matter of fact, a friend of mine, John Gill, wrote this years ago. He said, of all the nations, and this is the scripture, of all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. This is what he wrote. In his seed, the Messiah, in whom some of all nations are blessed with all spiritual blessings. Now, since God hath promised and would do such great things for him <coughs> and his, he judged it right and proper not to hide from him what he was about to do to Sodom, <coughs> and rather as he had a near relation that dwelt there. And so <coughs> Abraham standing here, God is referring to him saying, look, I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth because you have been a faithful man. I'm going through your seed to bring the Messiah so that all the nations of the earth might be blessed. And of course, we find that fulfilled, as I read earlier, uh, in particularly Matthew 1.1, in the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, their third seed that we find in Scripture is the seed of Isaac. In Genesis 17.19, we read, And God said, Sarah thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. So God, God starts by saying, okay, in Genesis chapter 3, we've got the seed of the woman is going to come bruise the head, Jesus Christ. In Genesis 18, 18, we find that God says to Abraham, and I'm going to give you the Kevin Metzinger version. God, God said to Abraham, look, I'm going to bless you because you've been faithful to me and all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through you. Now we come to uh, Genesis 17 and God says to uh, Abraham again, look, you're going to have a son. His name's going to be Isaac. And I'm going to, I'm going to continue my covenant with him so that all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Really what it is, it's a lineage. We're, we're beginning to see a lineage here. Abraham, going to go to Isaac. The promise is still going to be fulfilled. The promise is still coming down. One day the Messiah is coming. One day the Messiah is going to be born through this lineage. I'm going to work with your son Isaac. He's going to be set apart to me. I'm going to use him. I'm going to bless him. He, from him then will come also the Messiah because it's coming through your lineage here. So we say, well, where is that fulfilled? Matthew 1, 2, Abraham beget Isaac, and Isaac beget Jacob, and Jacob beget Judas and his brethren. And in Luke 3, 34, which was the son of Jacob, which was the son of Isaac, which was the son of Abraham. And so this lineage is being fulfilled. And then the fourth seed is the seed of Jacob. In Numbers 24, 17, I shall see him, but not now. I shall stand be... I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and shall destroy the children of Sith. Now, again, we have the lineage. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Fulfilled, of course, 
in uh, Luke 3.34, which was the son of Jacob, which was the son of Isaac, which was the son of Abraham. And uh, Matthew 1.2 turns it around backward, or the other way. It says Abraham beget Isaac, Isaac beget Jacob, Jacob beget Judas, and so forth. So what is the importance of all this seed? The importance of how we understand the prophecy of the Scripture. The importance is the fact that as we live in the day and age in which we live, we can go back to the Bible and we can see that here was a prophecy made and here was a fulfillment. Here was a prophecy made, here was a fulfillment. Here was a prophecy made, here was a fulfillment. Matter of fact, you'll find, I believe, it's 700 different prophecies that have been prophesied in the Old Testament have been fulfilled in the New Testament. What that should do for the child of God is bolster our faith. We are to live by faith, amen? As we walk here upon this earth, we are to live by faith. Our faith ought to be evident. Uh, but there's sometimes, to be quite honest, faith wanes a little. Faith gets tried a little bit. It becomes difficult. It becomes hard. There could be, I'm not saying that there is in your life, but it could be that you may even come to the point that you say, well, Jesus has been coming for a long time. He's still not here. I wonder if he's ever going to come. Oh, he's coming. How do you know? Because I go back to the seed of woman. I go back to the seed of Abraham. I go back to the seed of Isaac. I go back to the seed of, of uh, Jacob. He's coming. How do you know? Because he fulfilled these prophecies. He's going to fulfill this prophecy also. The thing about prophecy we have to remember is it doesn't happen on our time frame. Matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 3, when that prophecy is given, it's 2,000 years later before it's fulfilled. And it's not completely fulfilled yet because the final bruising, if you would, will be at that great white throne judgment, which will happen I don't know when. But he knows It is through the seed that we see the fulfillment of Scripture. And this gives us faith in the Word of God. The first genealogy, <clears throat> talk about the genealogies, I do want us to consider this, that the Bible get, uh, covers the genealogy of Jesus. Now, as a young preacher, I went to make a visit one day to a, a dear, precious lady in our church. She was just a great saintly lady. Her husband had died and she had remarried. And when I walked in to sit down in the front room with the, this dear lady and her husband, he began to ask me questions about the Bible. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. This is going to give me a springboard to then hopefully be able to lead him to the Lord. No, he took quite great pleasure in trying to trip up anyone who claimed the faith of Jesus Christ. As a young preacher, he goes, so, <clears throat> you realize that your Bible has errors in it? I said, no, my Bible doesn't have errors in it. He goes, yeah, your Bible's got errors in it. I said, well, if you can show me errors in the Bible, I'll go back to Mechanicon. So he took me to Matthew, and he took me to Luke. And at the moment... I don't know how you handle pressure. You may be a great responder to pressure. Having unprepared through study, having just sat down just for a nice conversation, he hits me with these two genealogies, and he goes, see, the Bible's full of problems, and he goes, that's why I don't go to church. So I came back to my office, pride probably dented greatly, 
and said, Lord, you got to show me what the difference is. Well, the difference is, is that in Matthew, we have the genealogy of Jesus through Joseph. And in Luke, we have the genealogy through Mary. They read quite amazingly, by the way. Matter of fact, if you look, look in your Bible to Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 16. Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 16. And Jacob beget Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So we see Mary introduced here. Joseph is referenced as a husband. But the way Mary's introduced, and then the picture of who was born Jesus, okay? So let's look at Luke chapter 3. Turn on over to Luke chapter 3. And you can spend time and go back and read all the genealogies. What you'll find is one goes one direction, the other one comes at it from a different direction. But uh, when we get to Luke chapter 3 and verse number 38, we read, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. So Jesus' lineage through Joseph ends at the birth of Jesus. It starts at, at Abraham. When we go to Luke, we find that that lineage goes all the way back to Adam. And I can't help but feel that the reason it goes all the way back to Adam because of Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15. The seed of the woman. Her lineage is Luke chapter 3. So it's right and fitting and proper that her lineage would make reference all the way back to Adam, which is where the curse is actually placed. And it'll be through her seed line that Jesus will be born and bring judgment upon Satan. So these lineages deal with seed lines. We have woman, Mary, who we later find out, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And uh, <clears throat> Luke chapter 3 and verse number 38, we also uh, read, which was the son of Adam, and it's a small s, which was the son of of God. <clears throat> That's interesting too in the fact that he's referencing Adam, who was Adam's father. Well, he was the son of God. As, as people here upon this earth today, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are known as the children of God. The Bible tells us in the New Testament we can call him, call out to him, Abba Father. He is our spiritual father. And so for him to put down that he, Adam, was the son of God is right and fitting. He created him. He made him. They're out of the dirt. He formed him. He, he made him. And when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we too are then born again. We're recreated, if you would. 
and our spiritual sight is awakened, that we know that heaven's going to be our eternal home, that there's no way that a child of God ever has to worry about going to hell because they've been recreated in the image of Jesus Christ and heaven's our eternal home. Jesus, the Savior of the world, the bruiser of the head of Satan. Lord Jesus, we love you today. We thank you for the truth that we find in your word. Some may find this message today to be long and laborious and difficult and hard. And yet, God, there's a lot of great truth to be found in your word here, in the prophecy and the fulfillment, in the fact that you cared enough to make the prophecy in the Old Testament, fulfillment in the New Testament, that we here in 2023, we take our Bible and we go, oh, it's a living book, it's alive. We look back at the prophecy that was made, we look back at the prophecy's fulfillment, we look at the prophecies yet to be fulfilled, and we can gain confidence and a surety to know that just as those prophecies have already been fulfilled, these prophecies to come will yet be fulfilled. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us who are here today would first know Jesus Christ as our Savior. That we would move from just being children here upon this earth to being children of God. That we wouldn't be after the father of this earth, which is Satan, children of Satan, the evil one, but that we would be children of God. Lord, we know that that's accomplished through what Jesus Christ did there on the cross of Calvary when he died for our sins. And I pray that each and every one here today has had that point, that moment in their life, where they've asked Jesus Christ to come into their heart and forgive them of their sins and to cleanse them and to save them, that heaven might be their eternal home. Lord, if not, I pray that today that might become a great burden in their life, that they would seek you before it's eternally too late. Then, Lord, as we think about this Christmas season, help us to not be distracted by the trees and the wrapping paper and the gifts and the giving, but help us to be thankful for the fact that you loved us enough to give us prophecy in the old, see it fulfilled in the new, to know there's prophecy still yet to be fulfilled, and we can put our faith and our hope and our trust, and we can know that one day you're coming again. Or Jesus, might it be soon that we stand in your presence, sing praises to your name. Use this invitation for your glory. We love you. We ask these things in your blessed name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Have a moment of invitation. If God's spoken to your heart, we'd love to take a Bible, share with you from the Word of God how you can know that you're saved and on your way to heaven. If you're not a child of God today, please come. Let's take a Bible, show you how you can become a child of God. Know heaven is your eternal home. Brother Foster, if you would.
good to have each of you here with us. Um, the big announcement is at 2 o'clock this afternoon, we have a cantata. We'd encourage you to come. The choir's worked very hard. There's a skit that goes along with it. I know it'll be a blessing to you. So I'd encourage you to come back at 2 o'clock this afternoon and uh, to be able to witness the cantata. Because I've got this hacking and stuff going on, I'm not going to greet you at the back, but know that I appreciate you being here today and um, just pray that you're going to have a great holiday season. A season. Let's close in a word of prayer and you can be dismissed. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your great love for us. Pray to God that you might be honored and glorified in our lives today. Those who know Christ as their Savior, Lord, might this season be such an exciting time of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with this lost and dying world in which we live. And Lord, if it be that there's some here that don't know you as their Savior, then Lord, I pray today that they might let us take a Bible and share with them from the Word of God how they can know that they're saved and on their way to heaven. Thank you for your goodness and your love. Be with us as we leave and have lunch and then come back at 2 o'clock. Lord, use a cantata in a great way to bring honor and glory to yourself. We ask these things in your blessed and most holy name. Amen. And you are dismissed. Thank you.